Okay. If you don't understand my Spanish, um, uh, please take a course in Spanish, and you'll understand the same. Um, that's right. Father, we come before you to ask your grace and wisdom that I might preach your word as it is, your word, that we might hear your word as it is, your word, and that we would Put into practice as it is your word. That we might be the praise of the glory of your son Jesus. In his name we pray. As I listened to the hymns beside today, I said I have two choices, and I think the easiest one for me is to why don't we go ahead and sing those hymns again and the sermon will be shorter. Uh, Mike told me that I only have two hours and this is difficult for me. Uh, the text that uh, we are going to preach from, uh, let me give you a little bit of a background. We've been preaching on First Peter at our church since November 1st, 2020. And we just started chapter five today. Uh, Jorge, the pastor, uh, introduced chapter five today. So we're gonna take a, a first Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 19. And uh, we're gonna say a couple of things about the bulk of the text, but we are going to focus on verse 19. And I think that um, I don't have to do a lot of explanation because the songs that, let me ask a question. This is a, I always ask questions. Do you believe what you sang? Did you think about what you were singing? Do you truly believe that in this dark world, you will have enough strength to make it. Not to get out of your problems, but to make it to celestial city. Do you believe that? First Peter chapter 4, verses 12-9. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial taking place among you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad with, when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory or, uh, to be translated, or the glorious spirit of God 
rests upon me. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of, household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey, who not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The first letter, a letter of Peter uh, is a pastoral letter, as all the letters are in a sense. They are all pastoral. Uh, but the purpose of Peter is to encourage Christians in the midst of persecution as they walk as pilgrims and strangers, foreigners, in this dark place that we call the world. He defines who they are. They are being chosen. They have a precious faith in Christ. They have an inheritance. They have a glorious treasure in Christ. And those things move them to walk the straight path to celestial city in the midst of tribulation, of attacks, persecution, insults. I'm afraid that we do not understand that we are and we live in a very dark place. The closer you get to the sea, the darker it gets. That's another story. But this world is dark. And you, if you are one of these people to whom Peter writes, you are attacked left and right every day. In the text that we just read, Peter puts together a summary of all the things he's been saying up to that point. And I'm going to make a mention, just five things that he says in this text that summarizes who uh, he's talking to and the purpose of it. The first thing is that we should not be surprised by the fiery trials that we face. The question I have is, do you know you're being attacked? Because it is not surprising. It's a normal thing for Christians to be attacked by the world. We are foreigners and strangers 
in this evil world. The second thing is that suffering for Christ's sake marks those who will rejoice with him in his glory. It is true when it comes to Christ and the rejoicing in glory, the same, the same is true. No pain, no gain. But rejoice. We will glory. We will rejoice in His glory. Third, we are blessed when insulted because the Spirit of God dwells in us, in us which is true religion. Henry Scoogle's famous line, true religion is the life of God in the soul of man. And when we suffer, we really should rejoice when we suffer for Christ because it is a mark that says the Holy Spirit dwells in me and I am a shell, I'm just a little uh, broken jar and the light of the Holy Spirit shines, they see the Spirit and they attack me. Four. While the unrighteous trusting God, when they insult us, they curse us. Now, I'm sorry, I have to ask a question. How many of you have been insulted because of being a Christian? I mean, somebody has come to you and say, hey, you, and give you all the letters of the alphabet, F, B, C, A, or whatever, because you're a Christian. I don't believe not one of you have that. And that's why you think that you're not being attacked. But when that promotion doesn't come true, when you make a comment for the gospel, and then your co-workers start to move away from you, when you decide that you are going to educate your children in a certain way that glorifies Christ, and then your friends say, what are you doing? That is the way that Satan is attacked us here. But while the unrighteous blaspheme God, we glorify Him. Listen to this truth. I mean, I took 12 sermons on this text. So I'm just giving you kind of a summary. It's a glorious thing. We give glory to God by the simple fact that people don't like us because we are Christians. I don't like you. God, you're glorified again. That's not the way we think. But that's what Peter is saying. Five. We suffer as Christians. Not as evildoers. And let me say that Peter says that we suffer as Christians. No adjectives needed. 
you are a Christian or you are not. The idea of, oh, he's a true Christian, is I was going to say the word stupid, but my wife said not to say the word stupid. So I'm going to say the word stupid. But it's a very, you know, it's a very bad idea to think that you have to qualify for a Christian. Imagine that I came to preach our church, and this is what we have today in a lot of our church. And yes, this is introduction, okay? Imagine that Mike came to our church to preach, and I say, hey Mike, I want to introduce to you Pedro. Pedro is a Christian who happens to be an adulterer, but he's getting better. Instead of five ladies in the street, he only has two now. So he's a Christian that is improving. Now there is Mercedes. You don't want to get in her mouth. She's such a great gossiper as a Christian, that everybody in church is scared of her, but she's a Christian. Now, Peter does not contemplate that. A Christian is holy. A Christian loves God. A Christian loves his word. A Christian devotes himself to the body of Christ, his bride, his church. They live for the glory of God and they despise the world and all the enticements and temptations of it. Christians are Christians. So, what is that Christian to do? In the midst of all the attacks of the world. Verse 19. And this is where we are going to <clears throat> focus on. Peter writes, writes in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator. And the first thing that I want to, we're going to see three things here. Who is to entrust our souls? Second, to whom? And third, entrusting our souls completely. Those are the three points. If you don't get those three points, please repeat the hymn that we sang and you'll get it. By the way, I love those hymns. Wonderful singing. Those words. The first thing is, who is to entrust the soul? Peter identifies them as those who suffer according to God's will. And he starts with therefore. In light of this, according to what we have seen, as a result of what we have seen, that you are a Christian, that you are a pilgrim, that you are a foreigner in this land, your culture is totally different from them. 
basic about family, about church, about religion, about riches, about earthly possessions, totally different from what you do. And they hate you. This world is enemy of Christ. I don't know if you know this. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this world is an enemy of Christ? I don't think we do. As a result of all this, you need to take an action. And it is the only action that you can take to get out of this world and land in eternal in celestial city and trust your soul to God. Christians truly suffer all the time. Our souls are afflicted by the darkness of the times. Especially when we are now. Light is treated as darkness. And darkness is treated as light. And that's not only without the church, outside the church, but within the church. Churches are trying to define things that the Bible clearly defines. A lot of issues have come to our churches. All of them using the alphabet. CRT, PCR, MNA, MNM. But if you turn them around, MNMs are WW. So, you see all these letters. You see everything in our churches. Why not realizing that this is really bad? This is dark. Our souls are afflicted when we see that. So to those who are afflicted by the attacks of the devil to the church, to those who are suffering because they feel the scorn and the rejection of friends, families, because of what they believe. Peter says, and trust your soul to God. Peter writes to those who love Christ and despise the world, who enjoy holiness, not worthiness, who suffer in light of who they are in Christ in the midst of this evil world. It is to them that Peter says, and trust your soul, your faithful. Do you identify with those? That Peter says, and trust your soul to God. The second thing that Peter tells us is he tells us to whom are we to entrust our souls. 
And he says to a faithful creator. Two things about God. First, he is faithful. He is faithful above all things to himself and in a sense to himself alone. He is faithful to you because he is faithful to himself. God will fulfill every promise he made to you in this dark world because he is faithful to himself. He will not fail. He will not fail to deliver you from the dark hour. Even though that deliverance comes by you getting drunk at the same time. He's not only faithful, but Peter says he is the creator. In Romans 1, we read that nobody has any excuse to deny God because in creation they see that power of God. The power of God. The Almighty God, the Omnipotent God, is our protector and our Father. I'm sorry to ask the same question again, but I have a nervous tick that every five minutes I go back to that question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Almighty God, the one who said to nothing, let there be light, and nothing responded with light, do you believe that He is your Father? That He is Almighty God, and that He will protect you when you stand up for His cause. It is to Him that we entrust our lives in the midst of the dark attacks. Just in case you forgot, let me remind you, remind you of some words that I've written here and that you just sang, that we just sang. A mighty... Come on, guys! A mighty... Is our God. Nothing to fear. Nothing can separate us from Him because it is not I who does the work to be attached to Him. It is He. Nobody. Nothing can separate us from Him. Nobody can separate us from Him. He loved us. He chose us before the foundation of the world in His Son. We are loved in the Beloved. We entrust ourselves to Him in all things. He's our refuge. He is our strength. And we trust Him to protect us from the enemies. And as I said before, even when that means that He allows us to kill us.
So we have seen that Christians suffer, and those who suffer are to entrust their soul to the Almighty God, who will fulfill every promise He made you, because He made them to His Son. And you are recipient of that, those promises, of those blessings, because you are in the Son. In Christ, two most important words in the Bible. For the negative ones, in Adam. You are either, either in Adam or in Christ. And to those who are in Christ, God made promises that He will fulfill. So, those who suffer and trust their soul to God. And third, Peter tells us that we are to entrust our souls to God completely. And he does it in a very special way. Let me read the text. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. To entrust that, that, that word has the idea of present something of value to somebody else to keep. It has the idea also to bring close yourself close or something closer to something bigger. It has the idea of attach yourself, in this case, to God. We bring our case, our souls, better said, to be in front of God, attached to Him, to hold on to Him for dear life. When every day we walk in this dark world to celestial city, in the midst of persecution, insults, rejection, evil, lies, we are to entrust ourselves to Him. One of the things as you study Scripture that is very important is to read what it says. Simple, right? But it is good sometimes to understand what it doesn't say. And this is Something that for me was a great blessing. Peter says to entrust our souls to God. He doesn't say to entrust, to bring close, to attach our dreams to God. Peter does not say to attach our desires to God. Peter does not say to bring, to glue our well-being, earthly well-being, to God. He 
He says to entrust our souls to God. The ultimate trust, the ultimate act of trusting, to tr entrust Him with our souls. As a matter of fact, we don't even entrust, in that sense, our own bodies. The threat to our bodies is what most of the time produce fear in us. If you continue believing that stuff, we are going to fire you from work, which means you will not have a check to pay for food, which means you are going to suffer hunger, your body will be exposed. And when you think about persecution, always your physical integrity is at risk. But Peter does not say to entrust our body to God. He says, entrust your soul. And there are a lot of reasons for it. I will just mention two. First, Suffering for Christ implies bodily harm. Suffering for Christ implies bodily harm. I'm not talking necessarily that you are beaten up or taken to jail. Uh, still, in this country, it's the only country in the world right now where people are not being taken to jail because of faith. The rest of the world, even our dear, peaceful, loving, fun-loving Canadian brothers, that's what they're doing right now. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And of course the question is, the answer is no one, but the question is necessary because Paul brings a list of things that threaten us. Listen. Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That has been the methodology of the world against Christians to either make them retract from Christianity or to kill them. But we live in the 21st century. That will never happen again. Really? Go to Sudan and see how they treat the Christians. And if the Lord is not merciful to us, we're going to see that here. All these threats have to do with physical harm. And let me put it this way. If I were threatened by the government without any harm to my body, I would not be worried about it. If the government came and says, you cannot preach the gospel, what about if I do? Well, we're not going to do anything. Thank you. 
after being a Christian. Oh, you cannot continue sharing the gospel here in the school, and what are you going to do if I continue? Nothing. You continue. But the threat is there. When the district attorney says he's not going to send to jail those who commit crimes, the criminals continue committing Same thing with the government. If the government or your employer or anybody says, please don't preach the gospel, and what are you going to do? Nothing. You can preach the gospel. So for threats to be real, they need to threaten you with physical harm. Now, how do we respond to that threat? There are two reasons why we have to suffer. So in reason number one, I'm giving you two responses. You are to believe two things. One, you are securing God's love. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I give up. I am not going to go to Celestial City. It's too comfortable here. So, for Christians, none of those things will be able to separate us from the love. The problem we have, I think, is that we are too attached to this life and to this physical realm, we are too committed to our earthly dreams. And that's The second response, first, you believe that nothing will separate, separate you from God. Second, you believe that your body is not more valuable than your soul. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that your soul is more valuable than your body? I don't want you to answer because I know you're saying yes because that's the answer. But I want you to think about it. Because the reason why many times you deviate from the word, from, from the way, is because of your body. You become careless with your soul. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 16. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? To lose your soul to avoid losing your body is a very bad investment. To lose your comfort, to lose your soul, to avoid suffering is not good. And I tell you why. I'm 102 years old and uh, I look younger, but uh, no, I'm not. 
but I'm getting old. And let me inform you of something. Your body is a lost cause. Let me repeat that. Your body is a lost cause. You are If you get older, your body will get older. It will decay. You will die. Your body will die and be eaten by worms and bacteria. Your body is decaying and will rot away to lose eternity because you want to keep the integrity of your body is really a bad idea. To lose your soul because you don't want to suffer the pain of the accusation of being a Christian, someone who believes that life is precious and no man has the right to take it away, someone who believes that your skin color is not what makes you evil or good, someone who believes that the church is to be guided and regulated by his word, that, my friends, is not a good business. To give up those beliefs, to keep a little bit of your losing proposition, which is your body. I mean, very few guys are as handsome as I am, but they think so. That's a joke in my church, people laugh about that. It's not a good idea to lose your soul for the threat to your body. Do not sell your soul and beliefs to give your body food or gain respect from others. It is a losing deal. You need to re-evaluate your perspective in life. So you believe two things. No one will separate from Christ. Second, my body is not. The only thing that is important is my soul. Then you, you will continue walking to celestial city. But there's another reason that we entrust our souls to God. Is that Christ's inheritance brings Christ's sufferings, with sufferings which results in the glory. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans 8, 18. Let me ask you a question. Do you truly believe that? Do you believe that the glory of Christ is greater than the glory of Washington, D.C.? When we entrust our souls to God in the midst of suffering, 
we imitate our Lord. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21-23 says the following, For to this, the suffering, you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, but continued doing what? And trusting himself to him who, just, who judges Christians suffer because it's part of being a Christian. And we have been called to suffer under the attacks of the evil one and his children. And we are in the midst of that attack to entrust ourselves to God. Let me finish the introduction to the sermon by telling you a couple of things. Trusting that my Father has taken care of my soul and will take care of my body in that day, we do good to others. See, there's a great thing. If you lose your body, gain your soul. In that day, God will give your body back in a much better state, a glorious body. In other words, Christians do not lose a thing when they commit themselves to God. And trusting Trust your souls to a faithful creator doing good. We could spend a long time here on doing good, but I'm just going to mention one. First Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, as you know what kind of man we prove to be among you for your sake. The Thessalonians at the time were under heavy persecution. And Paul went to them and they received the word. And Paul was under persecution and delivered the word. Christians under persecution do good. And the highest good for a Christian is to speak and live by the truth. Christians do not live by lies. Christians speak the truth. The truth from the word. What is your opinion about this? The Bible teaches that. As a matter of fact, a church is the light, the salt, but also is the column and the buttress of that column in society. They need to see the truth at Arlington Baptist Church. They need to come here and ask about politics, about anything, 
and find truth in this place. Because that is that good that you do. Before closing, well, to close, let me ask you, do you understand you are in a war against the enemies of Christ? Do you understand that on the road to Celestial City we are to face many enemies, traps, attacks, temptations? If you believe that, let me give you two reminders. First, your soul is more valuable than the whole universe. Do not give up your beliefs, your integrity, your essence, as a Christian for a crime of this world. It is not profitable. It is damning. In that day, in the body that we lost, as we said before, look. Second thing, do not fear man. Do not fear man. The worst they can do is to kill you. And that's okay. And that is okay. Do not conform yourself to thinking ways that are not biblical because of fear of man. And lastly, Peter spoke to Christians. I have to ask a question. Are you a Christian? I'm not asking you if you're a member of Arlington Baptist Church. I'm asking you, are you a Christian? Someone who regenerated by the Holy Spirit has been given faith and repentance and is a new creature who lives for the glory of God, grows in holiness, rejects and despises this world, and his love for celestial city grows daily and whose only purpose on this dark pilgrimage is to glorify God. So, are you a Christian? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make us aware of the real battle surrounding us and give us the grace to entrust ourselves to you in all things. That we might be the praise of your glory that when we enter the celestial city your glory will be more than enough a reward for all the things we have done for. Keep us firm on the rock, your word. In Jesus' name we pray.